0: We're going to start that over because I was on mute. Hello, everyone on the internet. Welcome to Everyday Superhero Cast. I am your host, coach, happiness sorcerer, and bard, Julian Loomis. I have a f- super fun show for you today. We're going to start out uh, by diving into the myth that is misunderstood cardio, and we're going to bring in uh, Dana Frederick for a wonderful conversation. This is the second time in the history of my podcast that I've had a uh, guest on more than once. So I'm super excited to catch up and see how she's doing what she's been working on and uh, all that fun stuff. Yay! I just wanna, before I go to break, remind you that Mission Quest, an exercise-infused TTRPG is a real thing that I did technically make up, but it does exist and it is a whole lot of fun. Mission Quest blends my favorite uh, things of a group exercise class and a tabletop tabletop role-playing game. Uh, specifically a digitally run tabletop role-playing game. I do run it as a subscription through my website. Uh, it is $10 a month, but you get two games a month, GM'd by me personally and my wonderful Improving chaos style, uh, and you get XP workouts and credit for doing real work effort to your character sheet that lets you level up in the game. If you're interested at all in experiencing how it works, visit everydaysuperiortraining.com I don't have a theme song yet. Remind me to fix it in post. Right, so, on to the real thought that I have. Uh, The myth of cardio. Here's the deal. Cardio is not a form of movement. This is entirely misinterpreted. Cardio is the response of your heart and and lungs to a movement or the stimulus of of being exhausted from movement. Um, It is... In theory, if you think about it, the strength of your heart and lungs in response to movement. The reason this is important to understand is that the words we use to describe and think of things in our head have a lot of power. When we think of cardio as a movement and thus specific movements as cardio, it limits our capacity for being able to take advantage of what cardio is supposed to do or be for. If you hate running, I hate running, it's super boring. There's no reason for you to have to run uh, if you don't want to, if you understand that cardio is the response of movement to, uh, to movement, not to movement itself. Cardio is your heart and lungs being like, oh, you're, you're making us work harder than we used to, and stretching and getting stronger and responding to that response. And because of that, anything you do that elicits an increase in heart rate and sharp, sharper and harder breathing is in fact cardio. You don't have to run, you don't have to go, you don't have to do sprints, you don't have to be uh, uh, stuck on our treadmill if you don't want to. The the caveat is, if you enjoy any form of those movements, by all means, do them. That's for you. Getting the joy is what matters. It is very important to have cardio uh, responses from your movements on the regular basis. But, that doesn't mean you got to hate what you're doing in order to get what you're looking for. I would argue that for most of us, the movements we are looking to do that make us hate cardio uh, are actually strength-based. If the reason we have to stop walking is because our lower back is giving out, because our uh, knees are getting tired, because our ankles are getting tired, that's a strength response, not a cardio response. Um, if if uh, the reason we have to stop running is because the legs give out um, or your quads get too sore, that's a strength response. Um, the oh my God, I can't breathe. That is in fact a cardio response. Um, Technically, this is where we get confused. There are two forms of uh, energy used in movement. Uh, We have aerobic energy and anaerobic, anaerobic energy. Aerobic energy is a movement pattern that used oxygen to power it continuing. That would be long form use of movement. Anaerobic is movement that uses the muscles specifically uh, to power and through the cycle of nervous signals um, gets exhausted through the the muscle uses itself. Um, Conditioning is the use of anaerobic exercise to elicit a cardio response. That's why it sucks. Conditioning sucks the worst. That's why you hate burpees. Because even if you get better at burpees, they still hurt the better you get at them. Conditioning sucks the worst because you're using the exhaustion of your muscles themselves to elicit your heart and lungs wanting to collapse and give up. So if you hate that sensation, don't pursue a cardio response when you are strength training, problem solved. The best thing you can do is just play, have fun, find a game, go out with friends, hang out. All of that counts as cardio if it's eliciting your heart, your heart rate increasing and your uh, lungs having you to do more. That's all, that's all it takes to do cardio. We are here today with Daniel Frederick, my wonderful friend and lovely steampunk author. How you doing?
1: Hello! Um, I'm doing great, things. Yeah, as Julian said, I am a steampunk author. Um, there's always a little bit of fantasy woven in there, too, because I can't really seem to write anything without a little bit of magic in there. Um, I am also a podcaster, which is fairly new news, um, as well as various types of content creator, uh also a maker i make dice and crocheted kind of goodies all kinds of stuff if you ever come out to like a live event and see me you'll see just a table full of cool stuff
0: yep
1: (laughs) yeah we met at hypericon here in nashville yes so i i do a lot of uh like conventions and stuff like that predominantly steampunk cons but i'll do like comic conventions and stuff if if the vibe is right, um, we were just talking about the Huntsville comic convention. I was just there over the weekend and it's a great, really great event. Um, and so I meet a lot of people and I do pretty much like one a month, but I've got three coming up next month, which is going to be insane. I'm really excited, but I'm going to be so tired, which is good <laughs> that I haven't off basically. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Like, so like, of course, as as covid stuff sort of started to get under control and whatnot like we started traveling again and whatnot and that's that's a huge part of of my job obviously like writing books is the other like hugest part of it but yeah like getting out talking to people i love it
0: i don't have um one the resources or the energy right now to do more than like one ever so often so kudos (laughs) for doing one a month is that is that where most of your finding having people find your writing comes from
1: Um, pretty much yes, mostly because I I don't do any online advertising besides just social media. I tried doing online advertising once upon a time, um, meet me at a bar sometime or like at a con and I'll give, I'll give the proper long story, but basically like, we
0: have two hours.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Basically. And it's done and over. It's a couple of years old. So I don't, I don't think anyone's going to be coming after me, but basically, so here's what happened. Um, I did, I did ads through Amazon and, you know, you like set the cost per click, uh, thing. I don't know what went wrong. Like I had proof showing that cause I, I'm, I'm so, um, particular about how I do things. I want to make sure like, I know my systems and processes and everything. So I had stuff showing that like I had set it to, I think it was like 40, like 47 cents a click or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, as like the limit but something in the system went wrong. And it was $47 a click.
0: <laughs> you missed and the next day point. I
1: went in and I had a $900 bill.
0: And say, I was like, say, oh! say, that, say that again for the people in the back.
1: A $900 bill for the advertising. <laughs> and I was immediately like, no, like, you know, get on the, get on the line of Amazon. Something's done horribly wrong. Shut everything down. Blah! Panic. Um, there was a lot of back and forth for, like, several weeks. And finally, Amazon was like, fine, like, whatever, just get off our case. And I, I got the money back and everything, but it was, like, one of the most stressful times in my entire life. Yep. And so, like, ever since then, like, I've never done a- online advertising again. I need to get back into it. Like, I realized, like, <laughs> it's not going to be like that everywhere, but, like, it or was just so stressful. It. Oh, 100%. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you you have you've um, written a number of many books and mm-hmm. uh, have a number uh, of many books is correct. Yes. Yes. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, in uh, that process for you has been lar- very largely and it, it seems like purposefully independent. Um, what what was the desire? I think you technically answered this. In one of your your Inst- Instagram morning things, um, where you do check-ins, but yeah, yeah, uh, what was after being able to like prove to yourself that like you can from point A to point B, not only write a book but have it produced, exist in a physical form, and someone will like buy it and read it? What was mm-hmm. the switch to want to go through the the trad uh, experience of curing ah. specifically?
1: I, I am very much someone who I, I like to push all the buttons mm-hmm. and see what happens. Um, and I am very aware of all of the pitfalls of traditional publishing. Um, I am very spoiled in having only done indie so far because I am the decision maker. <laughs> I decide what goes and what stays, you know, yeah. like I, I trust my editor and I pay her and, um, you know, she, she is like, she is my write or die editor for a reason because like she does really good work. And I will almost 99% of the time, like take her advice, but you know, if there's something I'm like, I'm going to keep that in. Like, that's my choice. Um, so I'm, I'm fully aware that like trad is a totally different world and it is very tough, especially because I'm, I'm, I write YA predominantly Mm -hmm. and YA is such a competitive market. Um, I've heard the e Schwab talk about this where she she pretty much writes y a as well. And in y a, they kind of decide whether or not your book is a failure before it even comes out. I mm. say a failure. like whether or not like the sales were good enough according to whatever pie in the sky ideas they have. So, like push it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Or, or not even to push it, but like, will we, you know, want to want to like, have another one of your books, or or what have you, kind of thing. Like I said, it's a very competitive market. Whereas when she put out an adult book, she like right before it came out, she hadn't really heard anything. So she like you know talked to her agent, and they were like, oh well, we'll we'll wait like six months and we'll see how it goes. And she was shocked because that's not how YA works at all. Like it is like they're like boom and then on to the next, and then boom and then on to the next. Yeah. Um, but I I want to see what happens. I mean, I am fully aware that statistically speaking. Nothing is like gonna happen with, with this book. MK Jemison's first book was not picked up. Um I think it was her second or third try as querying that that got picked up. So statistically speaking, it's not gonna happen. And I've accepted that. Um, it is still a slug. <laughs> the rejection, like assuming you even get a rejection, yeah. um, there are a lot of agents that you know they're like a uh, no response from us is basically a no. And then you're like, yep, there's another one. Just put it in the box and move on to the next. Yep. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, I'll probably write another book one day for Trad, and I'll try to query that too. Um, I have a couple of ideas, but none of them actually like exist yet. So, mm. so that's like a one day thing. <laughs>
0: so
1: I I wrote a lot during during lockdown. Um, yeah. I didn't really edit much because edit is a very different kind of brain energy. But mm. I I like. I was, I was creating and like writing first drafts and stuff. So that's, that's where this particular book was born. Um, I'll get there eventually. The one one (laughs)
0: that you're trying to query with? Yeah. Is that, so that's a different book than the one you released a couple months ago. Correct. This one.
1: Yeah, that one. Oh my gosh, you have it there. Oh my (laughs) my gosh, that's so, that makes me so happy. Thank you.
0: Yeah. You even, you uh, even yeah, signed so... it for us.
1: <laughs> oh, wait, wait, what, what? Sorry?
0: You signed it for us.
1: Oh, yes, I did. Sorry. For a second, my brain went, he's saying you didn't sign it. And I went, oh, no, I did it wrong. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but no, it, it's all over- <laughs> yeah. um, I was saying. Yeah,
0: because I remember, okay, I can never remember whether this is us chatting or things I heard from in your Instagram feeds because totally to me fair. it's the same thing. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's we're I'm hanging out with you. Uh, but yeah, that's social mean, media at its best. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you've either mentioned or we've talked about the fact that you were like in cabin fever, writing, writing, of uh, Falcon's favor. Like it was, it was like, uh, the thing that like, you just kept doing that and like put in things about like the, the number of the tropes that ended up being in the story where it's just like, you're also stuck at home and have like nowhere to go. And like.
1: Right. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wrote a lot. I wrote basically really feel good books during yeah. lockdown because that's what I needed at the time. I, I needed happy feel good books. So that's what I wrote.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I I mean, not in my writing, but I stopped pursuing watching or playing content that advertised itself as gritty.
1: Hmm. Fair B- because
0: that. like I I can recognize that it's well done and good, mm-hmm. but oh, totally. know that it's not what I want from a creative endeavor. Like you can yeah. give me grittiness with neon colors or like bright, pretty, like cartoon characters. I'll take that. Like, mm-hmm. That's allowed. Yeah. You can give me emotions. You can give me growth and thought process and loss and all the emotions I want to feel. I don't mm-hmm. need the coat of post apocalyptic because I'm living in it. Like it's not I don't Centaur
1: <laughs> <Yep. Yeah. laughs> World was that show for me like there's all of the feels and whatnot but it you said neon colors like there it it looks it looks like a drug drug trip with all mm-hmm. the colors and the art style and stuff it is in a fantastic show um it's it's complete now there was only two seasons um but yeah it was it was that for me we're like there is some dark stuff but like it was couched in comfort and silliness and yeah. all the good things
0: yeah uh I found myself diving more into animation and enjoying it as an art form. Like in the past, mm-hmm. I've watched cartoons to watch cartoons. But like uh, in my looking for things that could give me the gro- the emotion I want from a good story mm-hmm. without it being. Dark and gray and covered in dirt, uh, mm-hmm. it was really hard to find anything that was live action. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, found myself not just watching more animated stuff, but respecting the art for more understanding like mm-hmm. why this could not have been live action, why this, why this emotion resonates more from this like color palette, like, or, mm-hmm. uh, this art, art, art style. Uh, that was definitely something my nerdy brain took over as I, as yeah. I was like, I like these, the stories I get from a gritty story. I don't like the ambiance of it being a gritty background. Mm-hmm. That I feel like not like there's stuff that I guess you consider as gritty that I've watched in the past that I still really enjoy, but I feel like as we've grown into like the realism of superheroes, quote unquote, come on mm-hmm. uh, the filter of what defines it being gritty has gotten more and more on a, 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 the other way is unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me has been what's turned me off.
1: Yeah. I, it does feel, it does feel like it's, and maybe it's just sort of the general existential dread. Like it does feel like they're getting darker mean and darker. Have a
0: like,
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, um, this is an unpopular opinion. Feel free to at me if you wish. But I have I've stopped watching uh, anything just about in the Marvel universe. I'm gonna watch Wakanda forever uh, when it comes out for rent. But I after the last Spider-Man, do you think it's you think it's too early for spoilers? Can we talk about it?
0: You can talk about it.
1: <laughs> okay so like first of all i hate hero's journeys i think i, I think hero's journeys are very depressing because usually because like at the end of like a traditional hero's journey he ends up alone and that's exactly what happened with peter parker like oh all of his friends have forgotten him like yep. he's alone on his own like his life is ruined and I yep. spent two hours just watching his life being actively ruined and i was like well i feel awful after that this <laughs> yeah. was terrible i yeah. like and, and not that terrible and like it was badly done like it was It was really interestingly done, but I don't feel good walking away from the experience and I don't like that. So yeah, like after that, I was like, I'm done. I just, I can't anymore with Marvel and their endless storylines.
0: I still remember, I'm dating myself uh, in terms of content, but I, so I have watched two, one and a half episodes of the first season of The Boys when it came out. Um, Right. And I've watched, this is related to Swear, All of, many times, both seasons of the Tick show. Uh, I love uh, the Tick show. I love the Tick. They have the same through lines of plots. Uh, They're both, they are, yeah, they're told in different (laughs) mediums of storytelling, but they are Uh both stories about corporately run superheroes in the world Mm -hmm. of a capitalist society. That is the same backdrop. Mm -hmm. One is told with the nod and grin and wackiness of it being silly but you mm-hmm. still get the like the grossness of the billboards and the place and like everything being wrong and not knowing who to trust the other is gross mm-hmm. beautifully it's too much. done but gross and mm-hmm. I, and i it was that was when i made the switch like mentally that was like i can respect that this is this is a good show this other show that no one else is watching tells the same story mm-hmm. in a much more creative light. Let's take that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I, I have started being, um, I've started really taking note of creators, for lack of a better word, who are very clearly making those intentional decisions. So I watched uh, Nope by uh, Jordan Peele recently, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but there are certain camera shots in that particular uh in that film that could absolutely have been way more graphic but he very clearly chose to not be graphic and to choose his particular shots that he and nothing nothing he does is really that graphic Um, but the shots that he does that are are a little bit more gross or whatever like there's a very clear purpose behind why he chose like this moment for yeah. you know the blood or whatever i really really appreciate that um it's, it's not letting it speaking be an of, accident <laughs> exactly no yeah. he's he's so thoughtful yep. about his his filmmaking um i i will now date myself um the film the wedding date with deborah messing mm-hmm. and uh other people whose names i can't remember. oh um what's her face is in it um the one who played lois lane in the new superman films
0: I don't know her name. Okay, I don't remember her name
1: either. She's she's like one of the the bigger names though. Like she's in that too. Um the way that that movie is shot as well is is very much kind of the same sort of thing where there are some very intentional camera shots and certain angles that are communicating a lot without again like the the graphicness or whatever. Yeah. And I really cool. I love I love like because in me and Mike's podcast, Mike being my husband, uh, we have uh, steam-powered movies. We both like... We both like talking about movies in this way and, and like, they, those little details and stuff. And
0: understanding the medium. Yeah! Exactly, yeah. But we're like nerds. we're nerds! Not... Uh, sorry, say it. Because we're nerds.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, we, we like... We love all of that stuff, but also we're, you know, we're not film critics. Like, we don't know all of the history and whatnot. So, like, it, it, we also... Create this sort of pub chat environment where you know you go and see a movie with your friends, and then you sit down and have some drinks, kind of conversation. Yeah. So yeah, but I I I've really started to pay attention more to those those sort of things.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Yeah. I will, and I
1: will always be impressed by things that are that are definitely dark, but that manage to like. Not make it not make it lighter, but give it. I guess depth. So, did you see uh, the Sandman adaptate, adaptation that came out like, last I've, year?
0: I think I'm technically halfway through it.
1: Okay. Um, I will. I will just say, and I think this is a lot of people's favorite episode. The episode where we get to hang out with Death the entire episode yep. is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I will always, I will always appreciate just the the nuance and the care that something like that takes.
0: Yeah, That's
1: I don't, know, I don't know if you've if there yet, so I didn't like want to
0: spoil it for you. No, it's fine. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm never, I'm not afraid of spoilers. Um, I, I, as a, a, um, as a uh, enjoyer of content. Um, I'm there for the journey that I'm going on. Mm-hmm. So like if I know how the journey ends, it doesn't remove being taken on the journey itself. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We we do always mention on the podcast like the movie is going to be spoiled. We're going to talk about it in depth. <laughs> we only we only watch steampunk movies though, so it's a pretty it's a yeah, pretty yeah, yeah, yeah. niche
0: that's, that's genre. Your yep. Absolutely. I I very yep. much do enjoy that podcast. It has a, a lot oh, you. yes. You um, I th- I think uh I mean the main the I'm the main bar I have for a podcast that I enjoy listening to is mm-hmm. um the people feeling like they uh feeling like the people are having a good time with each with each other or what with what they're doing. Um and that resonating on a level that makes me feel like I'm part of the conversation. It's a very specific I like that. Uh, mm-hmm. but a, apparently difficult bar for people to reach. I did not think like it's very easy to talk about stuff you know about, it's very easy to talk about stuff you're interested in. It's very mm-hmm. hard to sound engaged or like you're having fun or that you care about what you're talking about. Not you specifically, people.
1: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, that is that is really interesting because, like, I think, I think I probably have the same standard without having realized I have that standard. Um, and I guess I wonder if Mike and I have sort of built that into the podcast without realizing it just because, like, if, if we're not up to it, like we'll, we'll, like we schedule, you know, like when we're going to like watch the film and talk about it because we talk about it immediately after. Um, and if we're not feeling up for it, like we'll just reschedule. Like we, we don't, if we're like yeah. going to just, you know, for lack of a better word, like half ass it, like it's not going to happen that, that day.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so what was, yeah, we, what was it that, uh, that, where did the idea for the podcast come from? Mm.
1: So Mike is actually the one who um, who thought of that because he, he likes movies even more than I do. I have, oh, nice. I have less patience for films than he does. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I know what I like. And unfortunately, Hollywood misses that mark a lot. Um, but yeah, so like, but he was like, this would be, it'd be really cool to like, you know, lean into the steampunk part of it, which is, of course, is like your expertise and whatnot. And it's such a specific genre as well that, you know, you're, you're gonna see some like a lot of those same elements and whatnot but at the same time steampunk is is a genre where like you can really do a lot with it and so we really liked the idea of movies that specifically because also because you know there's a million films that come out like a year we we really needed a way to just pare down our our selections yes so and sometimes our our definition a little bit loose um like the episode we just put out with um what is it the pale blue eye not really steampunk like the time period kind of works but like it's more just about (laughs) poe
0: that would be wouldn't that be be more goth than steampunk
1: oh it's definitely more goth than steampunk like fully and we we acknowledge that in the in the episode and stuff but you know poe is sort of like wrapped up in the steampunk world often i think just because of vibes
0: yeah Yeah, um so anyway Yeah.
1: Um, but it was his idea. And we actually there's there's like a not a lost recording, but there's like a a, a hidden recording because we actually originally recorded the very first episode where we did 20,000 Leaves on the Sea. And it was like really awkward. Like we weren't having fun. And Mike, like, didn't feel good about it. He's like, I don't. This this doesn't feel right. And I was like, well, number like, you know, the number one object here is to have fun. If we're not having fun, then this is not going to work. So, like, we kind of talked about it. Like, we kind of rejiggered some stuff um, and then went back and, like, restarted the, like, recording the episode. And it, you know, obviously went a lot better. <laughs> so, yeah. and um, But, yeah, because we, we both really like talking about story and things like that. But there are things that, like, we're both really, really good at and things that we're not so good at. So, for instance, Mike is really good with, like, plot and Set up some plot details, whereas I'm way more character focused. We just watched um a film recently. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, again, I don't I I know you don't care about spoilers, but for everyone listening, I don't I don't want to spoil anything. So I won't say the name of the film, but like basically like two minutes into the film, I was like, these two are not a couple. They're set up to look like a couple, but they are not a couple. And Mike had actually already seen the film, so he knew and he was like. Wow, you picked up on that really fast. <laughs> Whereas, like plot stuff, like he can see kind of what's coming a lot sooner than I can, just because mm-hmm. plot is not my my strongest thing.
0: Interesting. So, yeah. When you when you as as a uh, uh, as a writer, uh, do you find you take in prefer to take in content that mirrors what you prefer to create yourself, or do you tend to to look for stuff that is a like I know it's *Steampunk* is awesome, but like, uh, not so much the the genre, but just like in like so. Okay, I'm using myself as an example. As a yeah. storyteller, um, I am I am I come from um, uh, the world of uh, uh, comedy, improv, and professional wrestling. So like mm-hmm. those are the beats that I can trust if I'm telling a story where I can put things in and get emotional response. Uh, right. And because of that, like I do a lot of like this should be spooky, but instead you're laughing or this should be silly, but instead you're scared. Like there's a through line um, for me uh, that I come back to. Um, I'm a big, I love my favorite version of a hero's journey uh, Mm -hmm. is um, a hero that is um, thrust into spectacular circumstances rather Mm than an all powerful being uh, fighting all power-ness. Uh, so mm-hmm. like my favorite trope is like the lost person in a bathroom that is that <laughs> just is like things are happening around them and now they're on an adventure that is my favorite trope for of the hero's journey um because it, uh, so i use that a lot uh, but um it it's yeah i forgot what it was oh so is there is there oh i remember what i was going to say but within that I've learned that there is a cadence and a rhythm and almost a melody to the style of uh, dialogue or character growth or interaction with the world or the way it's described that I prefer when I watch stuff or listen to stuff or read Mm -hmm. stuff that I purposefully put into anything that I'm telling a story of uh, because uh, it's basically what I enjoy first. that was a long way of saying, is any of that somehow your experience?
1: <laughs> it, it definitely is. And I, I'm, I love this question because I find this whole subject fascinating just because I know people who like hardcore, they're like, no, I don't want to like adulterate my writing with anything else. So I don't want to like take in anything that's like, like in the same genre or whatever as I, as I create. Um, now I do know people who, they kind of flip back and forth, like, if they're working on fiction, then they read nonfiction, or vice versa. Um, I personally don't have this particular issue, I think because I am, I'm very aware of my voice. Like, I know my style, I, I know what I like to write, and so I, it doesn't really matter to me, like, what I'm reading at the time, and I don't think it really influences because I know I generally know the story that I'm trying to tell and how I'm trying to tell it usually the only issue comes in when I am when I'm coming out of writing one book and going into writing another this happened probably most strongly with um so the name of the book I'm querying for trad publishing is um interior design for intergalactic travelers
0: oh fun and I
1: I I I love that title so much and I'm so excited about it. Um so I when I finished writing that I then went into writing Falcon's Favor and Interior Design for Intergalactic Travelers is an extremely silly book. Like think of like a Saturday morning cartoon. I will
0: it is have to it is
1: bad in a book. <laughs> Whereas like Falcon's Favor like I is is it like a soft sweet book and there's still silly stuff that happens but it's nowhere near as silly as interior design and so like my one of my critique partners was like this sounds a lot like this is you're making a lot of the same type of jokes from the last book and i think maybe this isn't this is not the same book so which so i had to get out of like my own rhythm that i had like created for myself and i think that's really the the biggest part of that but that out, the media that i'm consuming doesn't you know doesn't really seem to affect it
0: right Or, or like, I guess, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So have you, have you found, uh, I've never actually, I think ladies are the only other person to talk to about this. Uh, have you found or noticed any patterns of rhythm within, within story beats or like what you, what it is about the story that like, so, so the thing for me, I, I, I've, I have this down to a thing. Um, yeah. Um, as much as I have learned to, res- to respect um, the cinematography of like that telling me part of the story. So I actually had mm-hmm. to look at the screen. Uh, the big thing that I know is that regardless of the movie is good, whether or not I will enjoy the journey of the movie is whether or not the manner in which dialogue takes place mm-hmm. is in it's technically in an unnatural rhythm. But it's mm-hmm. in it's in a rhythm of beats. It's uh, which technically is where the com- comedy comes from. Like it's the mm-hmm. flow of dialogue. It's where you get quips. It's where you get like walk and talks and people talking way faster than they would would in real life, or like using vocabulary that doesn't make sense. But there is almost to a mel, mel- uh, to a beat mm-hmm. uh, a, a symphony of words that is taking place. That is the timing of the dialogue that I can tell. Whether or not this is something good or bad, I will be be down for the ride with. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there something that you have found that like fits? that, uh, I don't know if I'm using the right words to describe it for your own brain, but like yeah, yeah.
1: I, if I'm understanding you correctly, um, I think there there are a couple of things. Usually, I am I am usually telling some kind of heroines journey. Which for those those who don't know, a hero's journey. Or a heroine's journey is not just a hero's journey with a female protagonist. They're completely different story models oh, um, with different beats, different tropes, different everything. Gail Carriger, who is my all-time favorite author, she teaches a fantastic class on what the heroine's journey is, like how it came to be. Um, and it came to be through uh, the beginnings of genre literature, like the gothic literature like period and... Um, they were called uh they were called yellowbacks uh, these like pulpy novels that were came- were coming out in like the 18th and 19th centuries that you know will give you the brain fever these like these original kind of genre tropes eventually sort of became the well actually I say I say they eventually sort of became the heroine's journey there are actually certain mythologies way way back when like um the uh what is it the resurrection of Osiris is actually a heroine's journey why it's called The Resurrection of Osiris when it's actually about Isis's journey, I don't know, but anyway. Um, so that is a heroine's journey. But anyway, so there are all these, like, tropes and stuff, and she teaches this really great class on it. Um, so usually I am kind of telling some kind of a, of a heroine's journey. And with, you know, with a couple of twists or, or changes on the beats and stuff, usually there's some kind of found family. Usually there is um, some kind of hijinks, happening um as far as either people uh either assuming new identities or just entire disguises and whatnot i i usually do a lot of a lot of that because they're really fun they're fun things to do yeah
0: um
1: but also kind of similar to what you're where you're talking about i will use punctuation very intentionally because um like you i really like Dialogue. Dialogue is like one of my favorite things to, to write um, and one thing I'll do is I'll actually, I'll read my entire book aloud um, because when you're reading it with your brain, you can absolutely like miss stuff or it might sound fine in your brain but then when you like actually speak it aloud you realize this is kind of clunky, I need to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll read like the entire book aloud to myself as I'm editing to make sure I have that cadence that I want. Um, and sometimes that's splitting up what would usually just be a single clause, like just a sentence, into pieces like with periods or semicolons or what have you to give it the cadence I want so that, like, the delivery is on. I also uh, – all of my books go out in audio form at some point or other. So I'm, I'm also thinking about how it appear, appears, you know, how it appears in audio form.
0: <laughs> nice. Do you, do you do the voiceover for your audiobooks?
1: I do not know. Um, uh, recording an entire book is an insane amount of work. It's, yeah. It's very expensive because it's so much work. I do um, the the voiceover for my uh, audio short stories that are available on my Patreon for Patreon subscribers. So I will do those. They're a lot easier when it's just, you know, 6,000 words as opposed to 60,000 words or
0: more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense.
1: But um, it, it might end up being that I will eventually have a book that I have audio narrated just because the next book that's actually going to be coming out is going to be the actual published collection of short stories that I have for my, uh, my newsletter subscribers. They get access to these short stories kind of behind uh, like a little passworded area on my website. And I've done most of them in audio format on Patreon. So... It's possible that will end up being, like, the official audiobook version. I need to consult with um, people who both love me and okay. also want, uh, want what's best for me professionally because I don't know if the quality is good enough right. for an actual audiobook. So I'm going to be consulting with some of uh, the folks in my life to say, is this good enough? And if it's not, then I'm going to be hiring somebody.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That's really cool.
1: Yeah. So that'll, that'll actually be happening sometime this year. But I literally just did a book release, like, five months ago. And I don't know that I'm ready yet to do another one. So I haven't Jesus, I haven't decided. already been five do. months? It's, it's something like that, because we're in March now.
0: Was it September? Uh,
1: September's, okay, so maybe, like, six, close to six months at this point. Yeah. But, like,
0: yeah. It, was, <laughs> it felt oh, like it was three months ago.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. Like, that's why, like, every time I think about it, I'm just like, oh... <laughs> I I feel like I just did this.
0: <laughs> yep, yeah. What? So, um, yeah. This is only semi-related, probably, but go what, on. Uh, and we may have touched on it on the previous episode, and I don't remember. Um, where in your journey of um setting out as as creating uh books? Uh, as a writer, um, where, or, or maybe you haven't reached it. Uh, where did you, did you find a spot where you're like, this isn't just, what's the word? Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't a fluke or this isn't like a. Oh, I did it and I'm done. Like, where, where, because there's, there's, there's a, it's probably different with, a little different with podcasting because it's a different medium, but like, there, there's a difference between like the writing and completing of a first book that exists and then like, Mm -hmm. uh, having a bunch of books or like the, having the product with enough of the product around to exist that, uh, it, defines kind of more of your existence so that makes sense like I don't know if I'm asking correctly like there's a are you
1: are you asking like when I sort of started identifying like oh I'm an author or like
0: yeah well, when actually, I feel like yes I'm asking now that I'm thinking about it, I'm asking two questions that are similar related okay. because I think the answers yeah. are different and it's important uh, one on. is where in the journey did you does, does feel like you are an author and then where mm-hmm. in in the journey of becoming an author? if you've reached it did you feel like uh 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 i guess the word is like i've made it or like i've done i've proven that this is a thing i can do i guess mm-hmm.
1: um so in regards to like i'm an author it, it definitely and you've probably seen this with lydia and i feel like every every writer deals with this we're like you know you're writing a book and there's a point, I think it happens somewhere around 30,000 words, your mileage may vary, depending on who you are and whatnot, but like right around 30,000 words, you start to question everything in your life. And you're like, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what am I like, I'm not good. I. Do, what, what am I doing thinking I'm a writer? Like all, like, all of this self-doubt like kind of comes in and everything and you just question every decision you've ever made. Um, and then you kind of start to come out of that and you're like, okay, it's kind of coming together. Like, it's, it's still kind of a mess, but it's going to be okay. Like, <laughs> I feel like this happens somewhere with every book.
0: It, you know, it's to nice varying to varying that as far along as you have gotten, uh, that's still a thing. That's... Oh,
1: I, I can tell you, Ursula Vernon, who, um, she's an author, and she has put out, she's so prolific. She might have close to 100 books. I don't even know. She has so many. I think she wrote, like, t- 30 books in 10 years she still does it. Every single book, she still does it. So, you know, if if that's you at all out there, internet, pay cart, you're not alone. Um, so I doesn't, it doesn't, it's not happened super badly in the last couple of books. Like there was a point writing interior design that I did this, but I think that was probably because I knew I was going to be trying to query it for trad. And that's a very different feeling. So where he is like, I know my broken gears world, the steampunk world. I, I know those characters. So th- that's kind of different as far as like, having like made it, I think there, I think there are different levels. Um, and cause I, I, I think, think different... everyone's going
0: to have a different answer, which I think is why yeah. it's interesting. Yeah,
1: exactly. But I also like, cause different experiences give us different things, of course. Um, so I had an experience this past August when I was doing a con and someone bought um, one of my books on the very first day. And then she came back the next day and was like, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I was like, oh, that's great. That's fantastic. And then the third day she came back and she's like, I finished it. I couldn't put it down. I need to buy all the rest of them. Like that was extremely affirming. And I'm like, and it, it gave me, it gave me like, a lot of validation, and as a writer, because of course, like we want to be like, I don't need the world's validation. I I know I'm a strong creator, but honestly, some sometimes you just need that, you know? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. C- being creative is very hard, and there's so much uncertainty because, of course, also, being, creativity is very subjective. You know, like I know that I am I am technically a good writer. I am skillful. I'm experienced. My stuff's not going to be for for a lot of people. Like it's just not going to be their cup of tea, and that's okay. Yep. Um, but even even knowing that, when somebody has a reaction like that, it feels extremely good. Um, I, the 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 thing that I wanna I wanna see that hasn't happened yet. That one day, I wanna see someone cosplay some of my characters. That'd I mean, it's probably cool. going to be Rook because Rook is like everyone's favorite. Um, and he's, like, he, like, wears, like, eyeliner and stuff. Like, he's, like, this, like, cool, collected crime lord guy. Like, just oozes coolness. So, I hope, I hope that it's, it's him one day. Um, we'll see. One day. (laughs) Um, Um, but yeah, that's, that's, like, a, that's, that's a level I, or, like, a, like, a type of having, quote, unquote, made it that I haven't experienced yet.
0: Nice. So, so. Would it be fair to say that there has not been like a static point in time where you can be like, "Yeah, I made it." Like it's more of I like an I don't think so. Flowing, I mean,
1: yeah. maybe like Hugo Award or something, or like a lodestone, which is basically the um like the YA version of the Hugo Award. Like yeah. maybe if that ever happens, like that'll be like, "Yep, that's it. I peaked." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, uh, and uh, it's that's beautiful to hear. Uh, because we have we haven't talked about much of wellness yet. So I'm going to, I'm going to shove it in here. Uh, The, uh, a reoccurring theme that I have with new clients or people that aren't even clients, which is look that I'm that we're having conversations about stuff that I notice is um, we picture getting to points as static points in time, but -hmm. there, we do not exist ever in a static point in time. Right. So like the, for me, the, the, my, my big, battle with with helping people on a one on one level is setting parameters of expectations that that we can agree on make sense so like mm-hmm. when, when people talk about like wanting to be in shape or wanting to improve their health and wellness that is great we all would love to do that but if we don't mm-hmm. know what that means or what it's supposed to look like uh we can't know where we're going or if we're making progress mm-hmm. and then on top of that chances are the thing you're thinking of the thing we're imagining will be a goal post is not a uh, you're when we imagine it we're thinking of a picture in time like when you when when uh when we look at old picture of ourselves and go man i used to be so fit and then and then uh look at ourselves now and go man i'd love to get back to that back to that that you're looking at in that one moment is not physically possible because you do not exist mm-hmm. in a time stopped capsule uh th- and there is no point in time in which maintaining well-being doesn't take effort mm-hmm. and when you try to get to a point that is stuck in time you're always going to bounce back to to feeling like you failed mm-hmm. uh, so finding a way to balance expectations on a fluid level that comes from i've learned it comes from trusting the process of what's mm-hmm. getting you there in the first place but that can be really frustrating and really like mm-hmm. sometimes you forget what the carrot is that you're chasing and that's that can be frustrating uh but that is it's it's gratifying to hear that it's also in other areas of growth.
1: I actually have a question for you about that. Yeah. So, and this this is probably a complicated answer. Always. When you have um, if you have a client, yeah, who is like, oh, I want some goal that like just isn't possible. Like for instance, I don't know, like I want to fit into those pants that I had back in high back in high school. I still have them in my closet. Yeah. But like. You know you've had you've had kids since then mm-hmm. or you know it's it's been however many decades and like it's it's probably just not going to happen and like the goal is not a healthy both mentally emotionally or physically goals for someone to have like how do you address that like obviously you're not going to be like well, that's never going to happen
0: <laughs> like i know you're not going to do that but
1: like how do you address that with someone because that's a hard conversation
0: well so Two, I can tell you two things are going to happen uh, within this individual at some span of time of whether uh, if this is to be on a professional level, uh, one or two things is going to happen. Either we end up not working together, um, mm-hmm. uh, either because there is technically a way to get to what they're looking at, but if that's what they want, I'm not the person to help them. Um, mm-hmm. There are ways in order to manip- uh, work your body, manipulate how you eat what you eat and move in a direction that would get to the goal there probably thinking of, mm-hmm. um, but if that that in itself leads to a temporary result, which leads to not undoing or learning habits that keep it going. And that's my mm-hmm. specialty. So uh, if, if by the end of the conversation, uh, over however long it t- takes, it can be a day or like months, uh, if, if we're not able to come to mutual t- acceptance of what it is we're actually looking to uh, do, uh, we don't work together, and that's fine. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. My general focus is on finding ways to get them looking in their present or future rather than the past.
1: Oh, okay. So
0: the, the it's not so much that their inv- that their their goal is invalid or wrong mm-hmm. or impossible. It's that the goal the goal that they're looking at um, is accidentally freezing them from options they would otherwise be able to pursue. But mm-hmm. I can't get them to buy into those options until they see it for, for themselves, which is all all out all personal training is all per personal training or coaching is um, me trying to find ways for you to buy into a process you can't know what's gonna happen the other end of it, mm-hmm. um, uh, it, because you you can't I can I can tell you that if you uh, work on particular muscle groups or in particular movement patterns, it will ease your pain. But it will hurt mm-hmm. along the way. So you can you don't. If you've never gotten to the other side of that pain, you'll never know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my focus is always on where in the algorithm of information I have and the data mm-hmm. they can provide me can we meet in the middle for them to focus on where they are now and where they're trying to get in the future. Um, because it's it's a question of emotional mental well being, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that uh, is uh, unfortunately letting go of who they used to be. Mm-hmm. There's there's it's not that they if you if you walk down the path of a new version of you you will eventually probably get to something that resembles what you're looking at thinking of if what you're thinking of used to be healthy and you think you're not mm-hmm. healthy now. Um, but more often than not, what we're doing is creating a self-actualizing cycle of growth, so that you perpetuate. Being being president, looking forward and look back and go, hey, I've grown, and then you move again and go, hey, I've grown, rather than looking back and going, oh, I used to. That's mm-hmm. that's the goal. So that's right. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know if that answers your question.
1: <laughs> I know it actually does. Like, because I, I never thought about it, the fact that like looking backward and trying to be what you used to be is not um, not a productive mindset.
0: It it will hmm. so okay. I'm I am i am not a fan of absolutes uh, in sure, in, sure. in etymology. Uh, um, it's not so much that looking back at a fixed point is unproductive or even, or even unhealthy. It's that mm-hmm. if you're coming to someone to for change and growth, um, the the uh, changing growth move in one linear pattern. They they mm-hmm. only go one direction, uh, and uh, in order to make change and growth, you have to be looking at where you're going, or the car will crash. Like you can't, you can't. Right, crash, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So when when I work with a client that um that I can tell from from within the first conversation of seriously talking to them, uh mm-hmm. uh, uh that there are uh that have physical ailments. Um, I can generally tell uh, by the end of the conversation um, if those ailments, uh, even though they manifest manifest physically, if they are uh, mental blocks, emotional blocks, um, uh, movement of uh, pattern-based, inflammation-based, I can, like, through understanding their life, um, I get an idea of where we got to the fact that they are physically manifesting pain. Uh, Mm -hmm. By the time something physically manifests, we can fix it uh, by using physical means uh Mm -hmm. so even if the result of physical pain that someone is feeling is uh coping mechanisms from emotional trauma uh Mm -hmm. we can work backwards from the nervous system so that that pain doesn't manifest
1: i just i just want to say it's it is so cool and interesting to me that like so much of your job is not just like the physical like you know lift heavy stuff but also just like the the emotional and the the mental parts that go into it like someone I know had um they they accidentally uh tore their meniscus and their ACL and you know had surgery to fix it and I was talking with them on the phone one day and they you know they were healed but they were like I'm scared I'm gonna do it again and mess up all of this healing work that I've done
0: yep yeah that's a real thing if I'm talking to someone uh, and, uh, and the pain that they are describing mm-hmm. never had a moment of trauma, or like acute trauma or impact, which scientifically mm-hmm. means you bumped it like <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, um, it wasn't uh, jostled. It wasn't uh, like if there's not a point in time when you remember, oh, I did this and the next day or right away, it hurt. Um, mm-hmm. Those pains are 100 percent habitual. They're not right mm-hmm. or wrong. It's not good or bad. We all have them, and mm-hmm. it's also why the older we get, the harder it is to be in shape. It's mm-hmm. it's less about our metabolism slowing down and more that the patterns we rely on get more and more ingrained and thus hurt more to remove yourself from uh, on, mm-hmm. on for for your nervous system. Um, if if uh, any pain that is based on uh, habitual movement patterns mm-hmm. um, can be treated and fixed. Habitual movement patterns. You can look, if you know the variables, you can find that same uh, formula when the pattern is uh, emotional abuse or anxiety mm-hmm. or or um, happened many, many, many years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the hard part is knowing the variables because it's, it's an a- the average person isn't going to go, you know, there's, my parents used to yell at me for this, and now uh, my uh, I get a headache whenever someone yells at me for this in life. That's a <laughs> it's hard to like yeah. equate that to a physical thing, or even realize mm-hmm. that it's a pattern that you're living. Uh, but it or like the the fact that uh, anxiety is the same thing as physical stress, which is the same thing as being chased by uh, an opponent. The only difference is that anxiety is defined when you can't identify the opponent Mm -hmm. um and fun fact i think we've talked about this um excitement and fear are the same neurological response in the brain the Mm -hmm. only difference is whether or not you believe you're being chased or chasing something right yeah which is which is where what oh no god oh uh, which is where um everyone experiences the same Neurological response to trying to speak in public, but some people feel the rush of "Oh, I'm going to do it," and some people feel like the stage is going to kill them. It's the same mm-hmm. thing in their brain, uh, uh, and at the end of that cycle, because it's the same thing, both people will feel a high if they get through it. But mm-hmm. it's that block in front that stops people.
1: Oh, I never thought about I never thought about like public speaking in that way.
0: Um. It's, it's all the same thing when it comes to your nervous system. It doesn't matter. <laughs>
1: Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. We we're talking about we we're talking about how self actualization is a beautiful thing, but it is also deceptively difficult. Yeah.
0: Like stuff that that's, you that's didn't realize so, is linked. to so, like oh, good. So, okay, that's no, linked. Oh, sorry. 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 What?
1: Oh, I was saying like stuff that you didn't realize from like way back in your life or whatever. Like is linked to what seems like random behaviors now. It's like oh no, it all goes hand in hand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it does. Yeah. So that that's my answer to your question. And you're Indeed. right. It's, it's not. It's not, it's actually a very simple answer. Uh, it just takes a lot of context to, to get to the bottom of
1: it. Yeah, and the context is always, always matters. Context is, is, is. Uh, nuanced and difficult.
0: Yep, yeah. Um, co- context, um, I refer to it as the sort of context that I wield to slice through all the myths of chaos. It is. <laughs> yeah. it's
1: I found I found for me, like, go ahead. Oh, there you go. I was gonna say, I found for me, usually the first time doing anything is really scary. And like, I, I genuinely like tell people, even though I am like a, a grown woman, like I just need you to like sit here and hold my hand. Like when I sent my first query, like Mike mm-hmm. just needed to like stand here next to me while I was like, I filled in all the information and yeah. I'm pressing, I'm pressing send. Like I just needed like the presence of someone here, like who was like, you got this, it's good. Like you can do this, and then after nope. that, it wasn't scary anymore. But like that first time, oh.
0: <laughs> that it is so true. The the lessons of uh, uh uh are uh being scared but doing it anyways. Um, are are uh, because the it's the fear is very real and uh paralyzing and uh valid, but also like prohibits starting. Like it's, you Mm -hmm. literally can't do it until you do it. Um, Yeah. And I'm a big, uh, I champion um, uh, that you're going to have to start before you know what you're doing. The two things that I've learned through a mix of understanding science and personal experience are that, Mm -hmm. um, uh, that learning to work hard is the first skill you learn, not the most important skill you learn. Um, You don't learn to work hard by thinking you're going to do something. You learn, I don't care if if the work you're doing is mentally taxing. You still have to Mm -hmm. physically manifest the effort to do the work. Um, So that is one, uh, if you're looking for something to uh, be finished, you have to develop the skills of doing something in the middle when you don't want to do it. That's where the work ethic comes from. Um, Mm -hmm. The other thing is that um, the nervous system response to being scared to the new thing is a skill or a skill is a sensation you can develop your nervous system to respond to as a skill just like lifting weights for the first time or learning to read for the first time the more time you allow your nervous system to go oh my god and do it and not die the more Mm it order to trust that sensation is something good versus something bad and it switches from being i'm being chased to i'm the chaser
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i um usually people you know I get I get a lot of questions and comments and stuff about how do I, you know, how do I finish? Basically, like people are really really good at starting I, I books sometimes. I asked you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, and it's like it is one of the hardest questions to answer because one, so much of it depends on the person, but also the answer isn't great because, like, after, after a time. It just comes down to like, you just have to sit and do it. Like you just have to, you just have to push through it and you just have to write the words.
0: Yep. 100%. Yeah. (laughs) And that's true for everything.
1: Yeah. And it's so hard. It's such a slog. Cause like, I'm trying to get better at like visual art. Like, so like drawing and stuff on the iPad and like the number one piece of advice when it comes to like, if you want to get better at drawing or what have you, is like, you have to draw like, what is yeah. it they say like draw like for 10,000 hours or whatever that's yeah and like you just sense. have to keep drawing the same thing like you want to get better at drawing people like you just have to draw people over and over and over again it's so boring
0: yep it is it is boring
1: but yeah it's it's tough but yeah I I the, the biggest thing I always say is like just just stick with it keep going like I'm rooting for you and I, I hope that's helpful to people because yeah like But it's just it's sucky because at the end of the day like you just gotta do it and that sucks like you can have as many like tricks and hacks and whatnot like little reward systems and stuff which are all great and they're helpful but like at the end of the day like you just have to end up doing it
0: yeah absolutely
1: i i I just tell like and i try to encourage people like it's like i said especially with writing like finishing a book is really hard like it's so hard to write a book because and like the the diligence of, like, just sitting in a chair and putting words on the page, like, is a skill that you develop. Like, it's, it's like a hardiness yeah. um, yeah. and a resilience that you just have to build up. It Some days it sucks, and the best you can say is, like, I put words on a page, but you know what? That, that like, got you that much closer yeah. to the end product.
0: Yeah. It's the same. It's literally the same thing as uh, exercise, except the thing you're exercising mm-hmm. is – the putting the things on the paper. But it's the set like it's still the process of adaptation. Your your unconscious level of what's the word? Competency is still being improved. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh yeah. It, and But yeah, like we're all we're all rooting for y'all out there. Like we're all cheering for you and everything. So for sure. yeah, just keep going.
0: <laughs> just keep going. And you know just keep going. there is there is uh Every everything you start and put down and never come back to, builds for the next thing you're doing and how you how mm-hmm. you do it. Um, I don't care yeah. what it's for or if it's different mediums or if it's creative or not. And this this is why it's so important important to focus on growing presently or into the future, because mm-hmm. you're it allows you to take what you've done and and hone it and rebuild it and and uh, grow from it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I always, like, there's, I think there's developed a thing, because with the rise of self-publishing, which I love, like, I love that we have the ability to, like, not have to go through a gatekeeper in order to put our art out in the world, Agreed. but I do think that a culture has developed that, like, anything you write, you have to publish, which is absolutely not true, like, there are, there's so many, like, half finished pieces of work on my computer like things I started or like got part way through and decided it's not really working or whatever um like you said like that was all practice like and yep. practice is valid all by itself
0: and, and um, the books that in the past that you finished um were also practice like it's still mm-hmm. just it's all just building
1: yeah exactly um I you like I always like tell people like you don't have to publish it like you don't have to publish anything. You can just write for the joy of writing. Like there is validate, there's totally valid validation. It's valid. It's valid to just write for fun. Like just write something that makes you happy. And especially if you're like in a writing slump, like I think rediscovering what makes you happy and what it is that drives you to, whether it's writing or creating, whatever it is that you create, that sort of thing. I think that's always important too.
0: I agree. You made me think of something. So, so in, the, because I see the process of ad- adaption everywhere, um, I've learned and experienced per- firsthand that like creatively, I have the same highs and lows as I do physically. So like mm-hmm. if I'm, um, I, there are days when I can feel like I can run, uh, run a marathon. There are days when I feel like I can't get out of bed. Um, mm-hmm. There are uh, like for exercise wise. Um, there are days when I feel athletic. There are days when I feel my feet are glued to the ground. Um, there are there are uh, when I uh, as I output in energy with my body to develop it or maintain it or practice something. Uh, mm-hmm. I also need to remove myself from the activity so I can heal, rest, uh, do other activities to promote recovery, so that I'm not just mm-hmm. doing that one thing or sleep, so the part of my brain that fixes things can learn to fix things. Then I can wake up and do it again. Mm-hmm. I've also learned that my creative juices do the same thing and it boggles my mind and I know it's technically because it still flashes in my brain and the nervous system but like uh, I can feel when I have creative juice I can feel the, uh, when it's easier to enter in, into flow state I can uh, feel when um, I have uh, and I can feel that energy get used and then I can feel myself not be able to talk in c- coherent sentences like I mm-hmm. like it brain wise. Like I feel the pull of my energy being used at a high level, and then I feel the, uh, that I can't do it anymore, but I'm still trying. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting because physically, when you can't, you just stop because your body makes you. Or that's not true. You should listen to your body and let it not <laughs> and stop. Yeah. But in theory, uh, if you if you've uh, run a marathon. The next day, you're probably not walking to the grocery store, right? Like that's <laughs> not <laughs> a uh, a great uh, thing. Um, but if if uh, the other day you you spent the entire day outputting a beautiful vision uh, in words or paint or uh, 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 video editing, um, that's all uh, pulling from a similar uh, energy that yeah. then has been depleted. And the difference is that when it's in our brain, the next day we get up and try to do it again without the little bit in the middle, which refills mm-hmm. the juice to do it. And I've found that I literally just change what I'm look. I, I switch from output to input. So I'll, I'll go like I'm. I have stuff in my brain that I can use. Uh, I. This is normally when I feel funny and uh, confident and witty, and I'll, uh, I can write jokes like without without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then there are points when uh i can't speak english anymore out loud uh and at that moment instead of trying to create the rhythm and funny and story or things that are in my head i take in from other stories i take i sit still and let my brain fully engorge itself with other people's stories and thoughts and visual aids and and or go out and physically experience different stimuluses from from the world Uh, Not as much because of COVID, but like that in theory, that's a thing. Um, Yeah. uh, And that refuels the brain for having the same juice because it's not being used. It literally Mm -hmm. lets it fill back up. I realize this is not a question. I'm just going on a rant. Uh, Yeah. My question (laughs) is, have you experienced that cycle with your creative energy and what do you do with it?
1: Absolutely. In fact, I recently just realized um, a thing about myself in that, so I, I thrive on structure, um, and that is a coping mechanism for whatever neurodivergence is happening up here, Understood. um, because when my therapist and I were kind of talking about it, she's like, um, she, number one, she was like, pretty sure you have ADHD. <laughs> the testing process is a whole thing, but I'm pretty sure you do, uh, and then, but she's like, you, it sounds like you have a lot of coping mechanisms kind of already built in, like, anybody who knows me knows, like, I, I, Um, live or die by my planner. But my planner is very fluid. I use a, um, like a Kanban style um, tool called Trello and Plentyway. And then um, I use time blocking. So I know how long like a task takes me and, uh, but I can move that stuff around, which has served me really, really really well because I've learned that to recharge, I need to just let the brain otters inside my head frolic and scamper and whatnot and that that allows me to have that gives me that recharge time because i'm not like keeping keeping everything kind of restrained and structured and whatnot um and then so when i do come back and i have that structure like it's fine because you know the brain otters or brain corvus or whatever you want to call them like have had some recess time to frolic about and whatnot, and I, like, I literally just realized that, like, this is, this is how this works, because I, because I used to structure my days off, and I didn't feel great after the fact, and I didn't really understand why, until,
0: you know. So, you, the the days off are when you open the cage, and you just get to run free? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. (laughs)
1: Like, if I want to play Stardew Valley, I'll play Stardew Valley. Like, if I just want to, like, work on a crochet project for myself, I can do that, and have, like, stuff on in the background, whatever. If I just like want to sit there and watch, you know, Sailor Moon Crystal and eat snacks, I'll do that. So I don't, I don't give myself like, this is the most structure I have today. Today's actually my day off. So I was like, I gotta, like oh, I'm hanging out with Julian oh, and we're gonna chat, <laughs> that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I, mm-hmm. I, I relate to that wholeheartedly. I um, I thrive on, not on, mm, structure, I thrive on knowing the rules and boundaries. Um, mm-hmm. I am a big believer that, um, specifically within like telling, either telling a story or in comedy, um, having guidelines or rules that you must stay within makes it more fun to play. Because I can see I have, that. Yeah. Um, because I have, I, I, I get to, to wiggle around, uh, in this spot and see if I can, I can come within, within this spot. I've learned in my, in the way that I am excited by being a nerd (laughs) or like my, how my nerdiness excites me, um, Mm -hmm. more and more I'm understanding how to set structure in my life that creates that Mm -hmm. same playpad, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. So, so like in my getting obsessed with like, uh, editing and marketing and whatnot, uh, I created boundaries in the, in that area that let me mm-hmm. play and now it's not working yeah. instead of mm-hmm. having to like do it from here to here in a day or like it's part of the it, instead it's part of me being curious and learning and growing um, and it's it's simply having this these, this idea that this is something uh, I have a vague idea of what I what I'm needing to accomplish I technically mm-hmm. have no timeline for accomplishing it there's no deadline uh, which uh-huh. is the worst thing for ADHD, but there's no, there's no, <laughs> other and instead of focusing on the end goal of getting it done, I, I build the parameters around what version of it am I going to mess around with today? Mm-hmm. And then in that, in that playpen, I am now playing and messing with it and learning and enjoying the process. And yeah. I, I'm all about enjoying the process basically. Um, and I found recently, um, on an almost hyperactive level, what I call building clarity into my day, uh, means for that playpen mm-hmm. um, if I'm regardless of if it's work or play if I have for lack of a better word a to do list and that to do list is open ended like I have a bunch of stuff I know I need to do but I mm-hmm. have not decided how or why I'm focusing on it I'm going to spend the whole day deciding what to do that's the entire activity um, Right. <laughs> but that also goes for having fun and days off for me if, mm-hmm. uh, which sometimes, sometimes I need that. Sometimes I need uh, to, to have the pen open and just whatever my brain is going to stare at, I'm just going to stare at it. To- totally mm-hmm. a thing that I need. But if yeah. I want something to be done or an activity that I know I enjoy, it has to be selected ahead of time. It has to be yeah. part of the, oh, I'm doing this today. And then mm-hmm. it's in the play pen and I get to do it. And it's great. And what I've learned is even though I technically do less work, um, in terms of hours spent trying to do something, mm-hmm. when I build that clarity in my day, I get more accomplished and have more energy at the same time.
1: Yep, and that makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah, and it's this. It, I've but I realized, and every time I learn learn a lesson, uh, I learn it from someone else's medium, and I realize it works in fitness, and it rebounds and hits me in the back of the head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it it sounds. It sounds excellent because, you know, you like I said, self-actualization. That should be the title of this episode is Self-Actualization <laughs> is Beautiful and Difficult.
0: <laughs> Would you like to remind everybody that you're awesome and why you're awesome and where they can find you and your, your wonderful books? Also, check yeah. out Valken's Favor now. Go get it.
1: Valken's <laughs> Favor is the latest in my steampunk fantasy series. I wrote it as a standalone, so anytime you need a hug in a book and just a book to make you feel nice and warm and squishy, Falcon's Favor is it. Um, you can find more information on me, Dana Frederick, steampunk fantasy author, at wordsbydana.com. That's kind of the landing page for everything. There's links to my social media on there. There's links to my books on there. Anything you possibly need is going to be right there at com.
0: Awesome! Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out. It's always a joy to catch up. This, uh, this was uh, half... Uh, us finally getting to hang out after way too long and half um, helping people. So we'll see which version of the podcast I cut together. That'll be fun.
1: Oh, I know. I'm excited to see it. Julian. thank you so much. This is a delight. This is so good. I'm so glad we did this.
0: Me too.